coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I am, as always, the fucking pilot and the magic of the internet bringing me another cool cat to sit and chat with. Tell me, who the fuck are you? What do you do? <laughs> What's up, Dean? My name's Brian Casserly, and I own Pussfoot.com. Pussfoot.com. All right. That sounds fun. What's it about? Yeah. Um, really, it's just a community of extreme sports enthusiasts, uh, mainly skydivers, and... Um, no jump numbers too low or too high. Everyone gets together and we party. Nice. And, you know, nice. Pussfoot.com. So when you say all extreme sports, obviously primarily skydiving, but you've got, I'm guessing, climbers and divers and all this kind of stuff? Um, yeah, a bunch of scuba divers, a lot of skate, uh, snowboard, some surf. Wow. But, you know, the idea is eventually we you know just keep growing it and it becomes like a world community. Nice. It doesn't matter your skill level. Well, you know, I think that's probably kind of the cool thing about extreme sports in general is even though they are drastically different sports like skydiving and skateboarding, um, the mentality I think that goes into them is pretty fucking similar, which makes it really cool. And Absolutely. I, and I always like hearing about shit that I don't know how to do. So uh, hearing about some kid that's a badass skater or um, all the other crazy shit that happens nowadays has got to be awesome. Oh, it's amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's... um. It's nuts to see like some of these skaters like right off the bat are ten times better than Tony Hawk at like sixteen. But there's nowhere for them to go, right? Isn't like that the crazy? whole industry is sort of it's nuts. It's nuts. The two kids that we sponsor um, are doing incredible things. Just you know, like skating off the roofs of buildings onto you know uh, trucks and while they're moving, it's it's outrageous the stuff they do. Sure. So well, you know, it's kind of funny because. When skateboarding got started, you know, when I was still a kid, which was a lot longer ago than I'd like to admit, the idea that riding a skateboard would eventually be considered an, ex an extreme sport was ludicrous. Uh, but <laughs> you watch the shit that they're doing now, and it just it stands your hair on end. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, especially at that Daddy. age. God, that's got to be freaky as the parent of a kid that wants to jump a skateboard off a fucking building. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, you watch the parents, they all come out, which is cool to watch them be engaged. I guess it's better to have your kid not using heroin and buy him a skateboard. But, um, you know, they're, they're sitting there and they're shaking when they're doing half these tricks. And oh, hell it's yeah. just, it's outrageous. Oh, but absolutely. It's cool to watch the parents engaged. So it's good. But, <laughs> well, for sure. Know, I mean, mainly, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say for sure. Watching, uh, I mean, getting the parents engaged nowadays with their kids' lives is a pretty difficult thing to do and prying the phone out of their hands. So I'd say a skateboard's a dramatically better way to go. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I have three kids myself, so trust me, anything I can do to keep the phone out of their hands is, is super important. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I'll absolutely. tell you what, let's, uh, let's backstep a little bit. So you've got the, the community of extreme sports coming together, but how did you get started? I mean, what was your first extreme sport? Uh, what made you decide you wanted to do something that the rest of the people out there think are a little bit, you know, off the wall? Wow. That's a, uh, that's a good question. Um, grew up in the eighties. So you know, I had an older brother who would always be doing crazy stuff, and I just wanted to tag along. Nice. So I guess it started with, like, BMX bikes, skateboarding, um, and it just sort of progressed up until, you know, I was in my mid-teens, and my knees weren't doing so well, so it <laughs> I moved straight into jet skis, <clears throat> started racing. Oh, wow. Um, went pretty far with it, about as far as you could go, and, you know, met my wife, basically, and everything just died down. It was it. You know, I just had this mundane life as an engineer um, as I got into my 
the early 20s. I got married pretty young and just sort of settled down and missed my life, I guess. But um, had kids, did the responsible dad thing. And then, you know, they were, again, glued to their phone um, all the time. So I bought a camper and started camping and nice. getting the kids out. But still missed it. You know, very boring life. Didn't do much of anything. Just camped or hung out with the kids. And, right. you know, that one day <clears throat> we went up to uh, Gardner, New York, with the camper. And they were doing a crane pick. So me as an engineer, I'm watching the crane and totally into it. And kids are bored. They don't want to play in the creek. It's kind of cold. And look up and there's just canopies everywhere. Hmm. My daughter looks at me and she goes, you don't got the fucking balls to go do that. No. <laughs> Your daughter so you punked you out? Yeah. So you should know my kids are totally allowed to curse. They sound like sailors. I have three daughters. Um, and they will talk to you like we're talking right now. Awesome. Fuck, bitch. It all comes out of their mouth. When they're near grandma or at school, they know it's a different sort of environment. Sure. But, um, so she, you know, she punks me out. I'm drinking a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do it. So I drove over to the ranch and, um, <laughs> you know, I waited there for like six hours, totally sobered up. I was like, what am I doing? I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> terrified. Um, but I don't want to look like a little punk. So I go up, I do it. And uh, when I landed, my instructor, Jerry goes, you know, there's three smiles. He goes, uh, smile one. Thank God I'm on the ground. Smile two, that was fun. And I cross it off my bucket list. And smile three, I'm hooked on crack. Yep. And he goes, I'll see you in two weeks. I go, no, you won't. <laughs> sure enough, two weeks later, I booked the KOA. I did my ground school with Linda. Uh, she scared the hell out of me. And I was about to leave and I was kind of nervous. I'm like, I'm going to do my next jump. And that was it. I just was hooked. Wow. And um, I didn't want to let my kids down. So sure. that's where skydiving came in. And it just, blew up and, and I can actually think of the moment when I realized this is this was for me it was you know everyone at the drop zone was so welcoming and would tell me anything I wanted to know and it was just all about it and I was like man I really like this and I started doing it slowly but you know falls out but slow with the money thing with the kids sure and I would always always bring my daughters with me and one day I landed it was like probably like I don't know I was on solos I don't even know what jump it was but um my daughter comes running out into the field and she goes, daddy, girls do this. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. And I, I, I booked a trip to Arizona cause I had a bad flat spin and I wanted to try a tunnel and I brought her out and I put her in the tunnel and that's where she started. And it's, uh, it's just been a family affair ever since. So definitely pretty cool. Well, it's, it's yeah. pretty fucking cool that, uh, you started your skydiving career cause your daughter basically said you're a pussy if you don't do this. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Was, uh, absolutely. That's, but, um, yeah, we just, we just took off. You know, it was, what do you, what do you do next? You know, like, where do I find this information? How do I do this? How do I do that? And that's where I started Pussfoot was really, let me put this all in one spot for everyone. Isn't you know? it funny that, uh, um, you, you get, so, as soon as you get into that life, um, the skydiving life can be so engaging and the community can be so engaging that some of the coolest ideas and some of the biggest plans come from the people that are the, the newest in the sport. Which is awesome. Oh, yeah. I didn't even have my A when I when I first started this. You know, people were looking at me like, "Who who are you? Sure. What are you doing?" It's getting annoyed almost with me. But you know, I like to sit in front of the computer, and I I never sleep, so it just was it went hand in hand. Well, that's kind of the that's that's kind of the thing too. Is I I, I remember coming up and and I came up in the the mid '90s with skydiving and. Uh, 
the the new people definitely got overlooked and you kind of were left to your own devices past a certain point. You know, the instructors that I had were fantastic and they, they took me to a certain level. But once I was a competent skydiver on my own, it was, all right, go find your path, um, which, you know, depending on what drop zone you're on, doesn't necessarily leave much. Um, and that, that stuck for quite a while uh, in the sport I, I, that, you know, you'd almost disregard the newer jumpers to some degree. You'd go jump with them and have fun, but you heard the same stories all the time and the same excitement over this and excitement over that. And it didn't become boring, but it just was commonplace. And then you'd hear one that would come up with an idea and you'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. But now <laughs> it's it's those ideas that it's funny this many years later. I'm like, wait a second. I remember <laughs> when this was just a bullshit idea from a newer jumper and now here's this and that and the other. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I hate seeing the newer jumpers left behind. I mean, some drop zones, if you got tips in an ass here, you know, you're taken in. But a lot of the, you know, the guys are just sort of left there. Um, on their own accord and you know some drop zones are just so clicky that you can't sort of find your path and that's another reason like where i why i started this was i've been in that scenario so i um i wanted to make an environment where you know anyone can come walk up to me and i'll go jump with anyone i don't really care and sure. I'm, I'm not i'm not the greatest skydiver in the world never will be because of my age but you know i try as hard as i can and i just engage all the new jumpers and i'm able to help them you know, on their path or influence them on gear and stuff like that and it's it's been a good it's been a good mix. Sure. Um, well, a lot of really cool people and lifelong friends doing what I'm doing. Oh, indeed. I mean, it's uh, it's very much the uh, what I like to call the band of brothers mentality. I mean, you, the sport can be so intense and so um, involved that you very quickly make lifelong friends, which is fucking awesome. Um, oh, absolutely. It's just such an intense thing. Mm. And uh, you're right. I mean, it, it used to be back in the day, especially yeah, if you were a swinging dick, you were kind of on your own in the sport. Um, you had to, to find your own way or bully your own way. And, and uh, I kind of discovered a long time ago that I was always just going to be kind of an average skydiver. I was a good tandem instructor, but I know better. I was a good camera flyer, but I know better. I certainly know better free flyers and, and swoopers and all that stuff. And for a long time, that kind of bothered me because I'm like, well, fuck, I should be better. But, and I was working in the sport, chucking drugs and shooting video and doing AFF and all this stuff. And then I I hung up the the spurs to fly the planes. And when I came back to jumping, I figured out really quickly that being a mediocre skydiver is just more fucking fun. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. There is no no pressure. Just engage with people. You know, like, I think it's also kind of neat, you know, like that I, uh, I don't ever intimidate any jumper. Sure. So it's a you know, big thing I'm doing now is I do a lot of load organizing. Um, the drop zones are loving it because I'll take up that jump number 26 who normally wouldn't go to a boogie, but now they know I'm going to be there. So they're like, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to go jump with either Brian or one of the pushfoot crew because they're going to take me up and they're going to do fun stuff with me and keep me safe. Sure. So like our biggest thing is, you know, Hey, we're going to come out to, you know, San Marcos uh, in a couple of weeks now and, we're just doing zoo dives. That's all I'm going to organize. And it's four people. And I don't care how many jumps you have. We're going to go have some fun. And I'm going to show you how to keep it safe. Nice. <clears throat> nice. And they love it. So it's, it's been working out. So, so yeah. you you uh, you get started in the sport and uh, you're kind of making your own way and you come up with this idea. How, how did you start to implement it? Uh, you know, got a website and came up with a cool logo and just started passing out stickers and saying, hey, this is what we're about. Come join our Facebook page. And people started doing it. And then, hey, let me go find some people who might want to, you know, write an article or something about, you know, what it's like to be in the uh, instructor in a wind tunnel. Right. And it was cool for a little bit. 
but then I was down in Deland um, on one of my first excursions, and I didn't know where to camp. I didn't know where the bathroom was. I didn't know anything. Right. So I guess what really started Pussfoot was we just traveled to drop zone to drop zone and take in all the information about like these DZs. And then I put them into a really easy to read manner. That's maybe like five minutes, but everything from where to go buy beer or tampons to where to get a tent and an airbed and where to put your tent park. So we have these, like I call them guides. These like huge guides, just everything about that drop zone. Hitchhiker's guide and to the galaxy for Scott Evers. Ex- exactly. The fromers, awesome. <laughs> the fromers of the, uh, the crazy people world. And, um, it's been working out well. I get a lot of good, you know, feedback on it. And people ask me to come out and check out this DZ cause they're going to go there. So we just keep traveling around and <clears throat> my wife's so super cool. I'll come back from one trip and she's like, Oh, I got tickets. So you got to go to this place. Cause this person asked for this. And <laughs> oh, <so> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just turned into this juggernaut. Is uh, she a jumper? She only did one. And it was funny cause we, we were out in Arizona, um, going to skydive Arizona to write a guide. And I found skydive Phoenix, uh, and I wasn't really going to go to it. I didn't really realize at that point in my career that, you know, Cessna drop zones are generally the most fun. <laughs> and um, she's like, you got to go. We're right here. So we went out, met some really amazing people, actually threw a bunch of boogies there for them, um, what we call invasions or whatever you want to call it. And it just kind of grew, but um, became really good friends with them. And we got stuck on that trip due to a snowstorm. And I let uh, Scott take her. She loved it. Nice. It was uh, pretty neat. My first time trying to chase a tandem. Didn't work out so well. So she's still pissed at me. She'll get a good video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That does happen occasionally. So it was a it was a bucket list jump for her. She just kind of went, okay, that was cool, and crossed it off the list. No, no, I kind of kind of pushed her into it. I was like, you got to see what this is all about. She said she'd do it again, but she's not that into it. No, fair enough. <clears throat> it's you know, well, I mean, thank God. I don't think I could afford all of us. Right. So. Well, especially if uh, you've got uh, one daughter that's into it. What are the? How about the others? Um, yeah, so my 12-year-old is the skydiver or tunnel rat. <clears throat> my, well, just turned 11. She drives like um, little indie cars, but not the ones you go to the mall. These are like the ones that do 140 miles an hour. Right. And you're just terrified, you know, the whole time. Um, and then my youngest, my seven-year-old, she just got out of a wheelchair, so she's still trying to find her own way. Oh, wow. So, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's got to present some, well, I'll tell you what though, that's, it's got to be cool that, uh, she's in a family that's so varied and especially the extreme thing. I mean, let's face it when it comes to doing the car stuff or the skydiving stuff, we're all kind of finding our own way in a new world as well. So that's got to be a great example for her, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we kind of encourage our kids that you can do anything you want. Um, the oldest Ryan, the tunnel rat, when she, when she was uh, in utero, the doctor actually told us to abort her. He said she would not be normal. Um, you got to terminate the pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, I just, I just watched my kid suck her thumb like on a 3D sonogram. So no. Right. And she was born. She had a lot of uh, leg and foot issues. She still goes through it. But um, yeah, we always encourage like do what you can. We got your back. And where she is now, I mean, she's, she's Ryan at nine was sponsored by Cookie. She's sponsored by Liquid Sky. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. To watch what she's done, you know, and not even able to walk a mile, you know, like she, she walks a mile and she's in tears. And, uh, that's, cool. that's fucking incredible. I mean, that it, it blows me away. Um, and I, I think I've, I've talked about them probably on almost every fucking podcast is the Wittenbergs. Uh, uh, are just, uh, I remember watching, uh, Kaylee's video, uh, nine on Vimeo. 
Uh, and oh, yeah. Yeah, it, probably the most epic tunnel video I'd ever seen, um, more because she was doing things in that tunnel I can't do and never will be able to do. Um, and she was yeah, doing it at fucking nine. Um, yeah. And, but uh, the, it was the attitude and the mentality and just being blown away by that and then it dawning on me, oh, my God, imagine how good she's going to be when she's – in her twenties, if she continues, you know, even if she doesn't take it up as a lifestyle, um, you know, for work or anything, but just does it for enjoyment. Oh my God. It, yeah. Well, first thing first, she is an amazing little human being. Yes. Uh, both of them. Yes. I got to meet them and Mike out at Rosemont this year. And man, the way these kids are with each other, they were just, they took Ryan who was super nervous. She's like a really shy kid. And, um, just made it a family and made it fun. And she, it, was just, it was just awesome to see all these kids together. There's so many good kids, but those two, those two are just outrageous. Yep. Uh, you know, you got Naya, you got Sydney. Yep. Um, they're awesome. And yeah, I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the sky. You know, Ryan right now, she already says, she's like, the tunnel's fun, but I can't wait to jump. I can't wait to jump. So she's, uh, she's waiting four more years. She'll be 16. We're hoping we'll get a waiver and um, she'll get up there. So she'll be cool. Sure. She was built there. Um, or, or building her a tunnel rig so she can start learning to fly dynamic with you know with the rig on her back oh that's like amazing that. yeah i mean i i started late in my skydiving career i didn't start jumping until i was to almost 27 uh so i can't even imagine if i had started jumping at fucking 16 years old are you kidding me <laughs> it's ridiculous already able to fly head down on, on you know jump one. Oh yeah it's gonna be neat. oh absolutely now, so separate um, the skydiver in you from the parent in you. What does the parent in you think about your kid strapping on a rig and jumping out of an airplane doing something that we all know is dangerous? You know, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? So if you think about it like as drugs too, you can just be there to sort of guide them. Like, you know, you don't do drugs. Or when you start to skydive, be safe. And let's face it, the sport's safe. Getting in your car every day, that's more dangerous. As Absolutely. long as you take precautions. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I know I've heard in some of your other podcasts, you talk about, you know, having your daughter on a drop zone. So, you know, I just keep getting covered in tattoos and growing my facial hair and getting ready to, uh, yep. to protect, I yep. suppose. But, yep. you know, I tell her every day, anything you do with a boy, I'm doing with his mother. And I mean that. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's always a topic at dinner. And then my wife will chime in. She goes, yeah, and I'm going to do it with his father. So she knows, like, they're good kids. And I just hope that, you know, with guidance and the right training, and, you know, the, you got the CIS stuff coming up that's getting huge. And oh, she yeah. gets to go to some of those events. So she's going to have some great mentors. Um, something else that was really cool is she, um, back in the day, always had a picture of Amy Chimalecki on her wall. I'm like, I don't even know who this is. You know, <laughs> like, I just started skydiving. But she found her on YouTube. And she has her own money. And she's an Amazon account. So she had bought the poster. And, um, adrenaline ladies had reached out to Amy and told her about Ryan and Amy and Jeffro and all them, uh, Roberta came and flew with her in the tunnel for like six hours one day on the cuff. And it was just like, so inspiring to see uh, all these amazing women come out and do stuff for her. And I, and I know that in the future, she's going to keep getting that sort of, you know, mentor is a 
experience and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah, yeah that's super cool. Well, and I suppose the drop zone mentality has changed somewhat. Um, not, I mean, it's still, it's still the same, but it's a little bit more empowered for women um, than it used to be. It used to be as soon as a woman walked onto the drop zone, it was fresh meat. Uh, and that is still very <laughs> much, you know, where my mentality sits in regard to my daughter is I remember how the drop zones were when I was coming up. And I always use cross keys as a reference because it was by far the there was more fucking going on in that drop zone than there was skydiving. And there was a whole lot of skydiving going on, uh, <laughs> you know? And so I, I would always joke around and, and, uh, um, you know, say that, uh, sure. My daughter can go for a skydive as long as she doesn't have to do it on a drop zone. On a uh, drop zone. Yeah. It's scary. Oh, it, it is, but there's, I think there's a lot of change there going is. on. There's a lot of great DZs in the Northeast where I would, I'd let her go. And I wouldn't even worry about it. Sure. Well, but, although I'm sure you'd probably be like me, I'd let her go and I'd even let her go alone without me to supervise, but I'd make damn sure everybody knew who she belonged to. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Like just <laughs> so you, you know. See that octopus on the wall? Yep. <laughs> she belongs to that octopus. Yep. You so. damn right. You damn right. Absolutely. Well it's cool though. Yeah, I don't mind it. No, no, not at all. I mean, well, and especially if you've if you've got them in such an open frame of mind. Again, you you said the the attitude and the cussing and all that, and knowing where to do it properly and and where to so called misbehave, um, and then be able to you know take it up a notch and behave in polite society. Well, that's the hardest part about it, isn't it? It, it is, and it's something I struggle with every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I I stopped trying for the most part. It was funny because uh, a friend of mine had, had listened to um, one of the podcasts that I did with one of my slightly more um, I don't want to say conservative, uh, but not quite as outgoing guests as far as uh, uh, attitude goes, and and jokingly said, "Wow, uh, a fucking pilot needs to learn to to read his audience." And and uh, my friend Junior's response was, "That's just fucking Dean. No." <laughs> It's too late. He's, it's too late. No, no, no. You know, I, I, I learned how to keep my mouth shut in proper places, but for the most part, a lot like you, I'm sure, I don't believe there's such a thing as a bad word, just a bad time to use it. Yeah, it seems to always be getting my timing mixed up, even yeah. in my corporate career. Oh, just a weird guy. But that's kind of fun. So now, uh, the you, you said you did the engineer stuff. So Yep. It must have been, uh, are you still doing that kind of stuff, or are you strictly doing the website now? No, no, I am uh, gainfully employed. I am an engineer in New York, um, structural, I, but I mainly do uh, disaster recovery, actually. So really? I get sent all over the country. Yeah, I, I get sent all over the country, and I set up uh, like mobile communications for a very large company, and it's uh, it's fun, yeah. So, like, when uh, um, when you see a, a fucking hurricane on the horizon, you're like, all right, don't plan anything for this week. I'm going to be busy. Well, I missed TSK last week because I was down in uh, North Carolina on the Outer Banks. So, oh, yeah, it's, wow. it seems – and it's always TSK. Like, you'll set your tent up and boom, you got to go down to the Keys. Boom, you got to go over to, you know, the Panhandle. So, yeah, that's been my life. Every, fucking uh, hell. Yeah, wildfires, so, you name it. Uh, so, I'm guessing uh, uh, you're not much of a climate change denier then. <laughs> no, <laughs> I travel, you know, just with Pussfoot, I'm, I'm generally gone every Friday, um, through Monday. Um, and then with work, it can be, I can be gone months. So, but I always wow. have my rig. That's all that matters. So I get sure. to, you know, now, and stuff. So really well. for your, for your normal work, it's only in the U S or do you do anything abroad? No, I'm mainly in the U S. Um, this last one I did help a little bit logistically with the Bahamas. Um, 
next time something like that happens, I'll take some PTO and, and wind up going out and doing my stuff on the cuff. Yeah, was yeah for sure. But yeah, continental United States, Puerto Rico, we helped out with, but it's cool. It's exciting. You know, you're you're actually getting to help people in a true sense of of it. You know, you're handing out water or food and giving them, you know, communications and. It's it's rewarding. I actually enjoy it. Well, sure. Well, and and I always find it interesting to find somebody that can balance the the skydiving life as active as you are in it with the real world as well. That's not something that I was able to do. Well, I did to some degree, but my real world was being a fucking stripper. So I didn't exactly have to be, (laughs) you know, it wasn't a responsible life that I was having to trade in between. It was just two different types of inappropriate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's funny you say the stripper thing because this morning... On my Facebook feed from 10 years ago today, I got a picture of me and my turnout gear when I was doing the volunteer fireman thing, wearing my helmet, covered in coconut oil, wearing a Speedo. It was undone. <laughs> it was my first and only time stripping. Um, I couldn't get to my friend's bachelor party, and I jokingly said, how about I go strip at your you know, fiance's? And he's like, you got to do it. And then all of a sudden, the phone call started. I look at my wife. I'm like, yeah, they really want me to strip. She's like, well, you got to go. So we drove home, I got all coconutted up and put on the Speedo and then like my, you know, the pants, the bunker pants. And sure. uh, I pull into this Holiday Inn and there's 600 Albanian women that were just <laughs> ravishing me. I mean, it was terrible, not terrible. It was a lot of fun. My wife actually took video of the whole thing. So it was, it was good for her. It was pretty epic. But uh, yeah, that picture just showed up today. My one and only time stripping. How know? fucking <laughs> funny is that? I actually mm-hmm. just had to, um, when uh, Junior, David Ludwig, got married uh, what, a little over a year ago now, I wasn't able to make it to the wedding, and his now wife asked me to send a video clip uh, that she was going to be showing him when he was getting ready for the, the wedding. And uh, um, same kind of thing. I just thought I'd fuck around because I wasn't there, and I did this entire video wearing a sock over my balls and cock. Just, <laughs> like, here you go, Junior. Period, and I had a guitar in front of me, and turned, walked away, and you know, because why not? What the fuck? Um, yeah, I, I've been naked for eleven years as a career, so I might as well have a little bit of fun with it. <laughs> it seems appropriate, absolutely. I mean, every time I start, you know, at a boogie, I start out as Brian with an I, but after you know, two bottles of Fireball, Brian with a Y comes out, and I'm generally never clothed. So I guess I do have a kind of a stripping career in that aspect. You know, every boogie, it's just more of much a knows. more of a pro bono career. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. It's like, hey, I got the fireball. Let's take off my clothes now. So So. with with the website, you get to, I mean, you're doing the full boogie circuit. You're out all over the place. Yeah. This year actually really uh, picked up. I started doing a bunch for Spaceland and now it just seems like every other weekend I'm I'm organizing at another drop zone. So So what's your your home drop zone now? Um, let's see, I started at the ranch. I got my license there, but Sussex, I'm up at Sussex, uh, with Rich Winsock and Shauna Finley. I know Sussex. I did, uh, yeah. I chucked more than a few drogues over that. It's a good DZ. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, it's beautiful out there too. Oh, absolutely. And you know, we got Mike Matthews playing. We got one of his caravans. So, nice. um, things super fast. They turn loads all day and it's really a fun jumper drop zone. So, you know, he will never kick a fun jumper off for a tandem and i think that's that's pretty amazing that's pretty epic and yeah and we turn loads up there often when i can get there i mean i've <laughs> i've been a bad uh supporter of them this year i've just been traveling so much you know, so florida texas wherever you name it with uh with the boogie circuit what's uh, uh what's your top three list in the boogies what do you, which ones do you like the best oh man it's a loaded question because they're all pretty much awesome but um Coastal Carolinas did a 
boogie this year called Burn, um, sorry, uh, Point Break. And then the people that show up is what makes a boogie for me, right? Sure. The party. Sometimes I'll go to a boogie. I won't even jump. I'm just there to, you know, have fun, make sure everyone's having fun. But um, I was organizing there and that one happened to be just, just, I think it was a setting, right? You had the beach. We're doing beach jumps all day long. Um, their King Air is super fast. And they were just turning loads after loads and the people were epic and the party was just phenomenal for a small <laughs> boogie. I mean, maybe a hundred people. That one's going to be on my, uh, my list for this year. Nice. And then Burning Low Man at uh, Suffolk. They, uh, they're starting back up with uh, more fun jumper oriented. Nice. And that for a first year was just outrageous. We had an amazing time at that one. Um, what else is good? I mean, there's always, there's always Summerfest and Summerfest is just a massive blowout, but it's kind of like the burning man of, of, you know, the, 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 the Woodstock, I should say, of, of boogies every year because it took over for the convention in a massive way. Absolutely. You know, I've never made it. I've never made it there. I feel like a bad skydiver. I've, I've only made it to a couple of the parties afterwards. I've never jumped at Summerfest because when I was in the, um, the Midwest, I was flying for the competition. So I'd fly all day and then you'd hop in the van and everybody would bus over to Chicago and, uh, party their asses off. But I was also always fucking flying every weekend. So I'd have to party in small bits and, you know, couldn't really indulge, so to speak. Yeah, well, responsibilities, man. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Right? Well, you know, it was kind of funny because I've always balanced it out as much as I possibly could. I always, especially once I became a a tandem instructor, I always took that responsibility very, very seriously. So I wouldn't party before a big work day. I just wouldn't do it Um, because I knew myself and I knew I'd be faded. I took that experience and uh, that responsibility times 10 as soon as I started flying the plane because, wow, you know, when you got 20 people sitting behind you, that's just nothing to fuck around with um so Uh now fuck before even just a normal day of flying i'm in bed at nine o'clock i won't even have a glass of wine (laughs) you know super super mellow uh, yeah but i mean that's that's the balance right and you got 20 souls behind you you got to do what's right for them so I, I, i give you kudos you, know, well, you, you're doing right you have to. And I mean, at the end of the day, I got to look in the mirror and realize, all right, I didn't put anybody at risk. And I can't imagine looking in the mirror going, Ooh, I'm glad I made it through that day. Um, exactly. you know, that, that <clears throat> never seemed like a good idea. Now that being said, certainly in the past, when I knew the next day was off, Oh, all right, all bets are off. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's see how weird this can get. And, uh, it generally did get pretty fucking weird. It just never happened to be at Scott of Chicago, but maybe someday in the future when I'm retired. <laughs> yeah why not yeah i try to make it weird like every night but i, I just don't mix um pleasure in skydiving if that makes sense I, oh I, very I, much so i got three kids yeah i gotta get home to them i mean i fly a really docile canopy um i don't pull those you know snake shit low jumps sure i just try to make sure that i'm getting back at the end every day and anyone i'm taking up with me is also getting back sure um, <clears throat> well and i i so I started really getting really busy into skydiving pretty much right away, and it was also still back in the uh, uh, the safety meeting days. Uh, if you remember those, you know everybody'd go have their safety meeting behind the hangar midway through the day. Well, I personally am a horrible stoner. For any new skydivers or anybody that doesn't jump that's listening, a safety meeting was basically an excuse to sneak around to the back and smoke a blunt um, and get <laughs> blazed. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it was a perfectly normal thing to do, but I can't fucking tie my shoelaces if I've smoked any marijuana. So going for a skydive was never a thing. I was never a particularly big fan of that because I was, you know, you always put yourself in someone else's shoes. And because I was so horrible with that substance in me, um, the thought of making a skydive was so horrifying. I just assumed everybody else was the same way on that stuff. And how the fuck could they be skydiving? Um, yeah, I don't get how some people just function perfectly. No, like man, there's no oh. way. It's uh, I've become instantly fucking paranoid. The entire world is against me. I can't quite figure out how to stand up. You know, and the odds of putting on a parachute and doing everything that I need to do, even if I'm just by myself, not a chance. Not a fucking chance in hell. So I could never understand that. And uh, so I just kind of... I don't want to say I looked down my nose at it, but I didn't so much approve for myself. And then in Cross Keys, I watched a buddy of mine go in raging drunk um, with nothing out. And that was when I became 100% against any active substance being in any jumper while you're jumping, period. Uh, 100%. I, I am so against that. It just turns my stomach, uh, you know, to think that anybody would... Uh, either put anybody else at risk like that or especially put themselves at risk like that because at the end of the day you're somebody's really good friend you're somebody's son you're somebody's daughter you're somebody's you know whatever it's just come on don't do it so oh, yeah i couldn't agree more it, yeah. it, it's just so irresponsible not only just for yourself but for the people around you absolutely uh, <clears throat> i mean what you want to do on the ground when you're not jumping once the sun goes down fucking have at it go big it's experience at all. Try whatever the hell you want to try as long as it's safe then. And don't be under the influence when it's time to put that parachute on. 100%. Yeah. You know, it's uh sun goes down. I'm a booze hound. I mean, I can't do anything else. Sure. Unfortunately with my job, but I've been to the booze, maybe a couple of, you know, whippets or something like that. But, um, that's it for me. I just want to make sure I'm sober in the morning. And if I'm still shaky, I won't go up. Yeah. Oh yeah. I won't go up until I know I'm good. Well, for me, it's a it's a wine or a few drinks with the friends, and and uh, like I said, I'm a horrible stoner, so I hate that stuff. It just doesn't work for me, uh, and all the other stuff went by the wayside um, quite a while ago. So I look back with fond memories at all the stupid shit that I used to do with chemical entertainment, but those days are a bit a bit behind me now, unless the chemical is alcohol and it comes in a wine bottle. <laughs> oh yeah, and I also got to be a really good you know influence on the kids. They have so much going on. You don't need to let them see, you know, dad messed up on whatever. And, uh, For sure. I'm and I'm having plenty of fun. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I generally am the spectacle at every boogie, unfortunately. Well, then you have and to go around and tell everyone, hey, can you just show me what footage you're going to use for this video? <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, well, one just came out two days ago, and it's got me, you know, basically wearing a thong and high heels, walking around at Skydive Suffolk, getting my ass spanked by a kid in a tutu. I'm like, oh, come on, man. You put that out and you tag me in my real, you know, my real account. Good form. Oh. Good form. Yeah, you generally, you, you try and say, come on, a little, little party etiquette here and make sure that it's on the fun account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy, though, because I've been writing for the magazine for so long that I'll sit down and, you know, I'll, I'll get a, a message from my editor saying, hey, uh, you're due. You need something. And I'm, fuck. All right well, shit, I'll just write about this. And when I'm done, I hit the send button and it turns out that I've just written about some other ridiculous shit that I did and I've outed myself for something else. Hit the send button and it's too late. There it goes. Shit. Fuck. So I'm my own worst enemy, man. I tell on myself more than anybody else. Yeah, I try not to hide any of it. I, I think like one of my 
craziest nights was out at Mark Hogue's place last November. We, we throw a boogie every year. Um, called it's jump for valor presents. So mm. jump for valor presents battle for America. Or this year is just going to be jump for valor, but we bring in a ton of military and let me tell you, they're a lot of fun to play with. They're, they have just no holes bars. And I, I had this woman's one piece bathing suit, like a cat eating a taco on it. And I'm wearing a tutu and that. And the next thing you know, the tutu's gone and my balls are just falling out all over the place. So I had like an entire platoon of Marines sign them. And there's pictures everywhere of this. Just me sitting there with my mullet wig and a woman's one piece bathing suit with these dudes in Sharpies just sh- signing my junk. And it's what, I think it's like one of my favorite photos, actually. <laughs> I see a thing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I see a definite theme. There's the women's clothing, there's heels, lots of tutus. <laughs> lots of tutus. Yeah. And we also bring uh, an 18-inch uh, black dildo named Reggie with us wherever we go. Of course you He's do. our mascot. Well, who does you got to have him. I actually yeah. once got to do a jump with an 18-inch black dildo. Um, not, it's fun. He, this one wasn't actually nearly as much fun as you'd think. Um, we'd had, a, this may be a bit before your time, but there was a camouflage by the name of Vic Papadato. Uh, Vic Papadato was um, the camera side of an X Games champion sky surf team. Unfortunately, sure. um, Vic went in on a skydive that actually involved an 18-inch black dildo. So in order to fight the rather unfortunate legal case that was brought against the drop zone and jumpers, we had to show that a jumper could in fact track effectively while holding an 18-inch black cock. So <laughs> I happened to be the camera guy that had to help do this and jumped out with another instructor who right in front of me turned 180, tracked away and tracked back while I'm filming him flying around the sky with a big black dick. I love it. As you'll do. Knowing full well that this footage is going to end up in a California courtroom at some point. <laughs> come on you can't write that shit it just it nah. doesn't get any weirder than that and yeah, that was just a kind of oh yeah we got to go jump with the cock well i mean who doesn't i like we ours is a strap on so sometimes we'll put them on but he you know if you're in a nice sit position it'll come up and snap you in the chin so <laughs> and his name's reggie so, yeah that's what he got named we we went through a lot of names for him and that was esteemed that by the crew so being the father of three daughters in the Me Too era, especially with their ages, they're at those formative ages, does it weird you out at all that skydiving is so completely out of the norm when it comes to that whole Me Too thing? I mean, it doesn't seem – skydiving is still a very inappropriate sport in regard to how athletes behave, but it's inappropriate from all sides, male and female. Uh, 100%. Sometimes the girls are worse. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) which is the ultimate in equal rights, as far as I'm concerned, because I know quite a few women that can make me fucking blush. Like, oh, God, did she just say that shit? So, and and I got a lot of shit for this when I wrote an article shortly after the whole Me Too thing started because I was like, but wait a second, all the women that I know are a bunch of badasses that are as big a pigs as the men um, are, and sometimes dramatically worse. But uh, um, it, I, I think they were they were more upset that it was coming from a guy than anything else, and I completely understand. And I also understand that some of the inappropriate shit that happens in skydiving isn't cool. But for the most part, it all seems extremely acceptable, right up until you toss kids into the mix. That's where it starts to get a little weird. Well, there's one thing I have to say: you don't bring a kid to a buggy. It's inappropriate, right? Right. Um, <laughs> you know. 
the sidebar for a second off your question. I, I remember being at TSK, I think it was like three or four years ago. My first time ever at a boogie, by the way. Um, and I went to TSK, which mm. blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, it's not a boogie. It's a festival of just pure amazing. But I'm in the foam pit, basically naked. And I look down and there's like a 10-year-old kid wearing like short shorts and a bow tie around his neck. And I'm like, it blew my mind. I'm like, why is there a child at three o'clock in the morning in the foam pit? Right. So there's, there's lines that need to be met. Like you don't bring a child to the drop zone and let them see half this stuff. My kids don't see half these things. I don't want them to yet. But as far as like the me too movement goes in it, you know, there, there are certain lines that I think shouldn't be crossed. And, you know, unfortunately sometimes they are, um, especially from the male side, but I I see it on the female side too. It's, I don't know. I'm not a, I guess I am a sociologist by trade, but I'm not, well, college, what a waste of time that was. Um, (laughs) I don't, uh, I just, I don't have an answer for it, but I do feel like when you step onto a drop zone, there's no, you know, color, religion, gender, and that's sort of what makes it all okay. Because if a woman saying something or a man saying something, it's all in jest and it's all understood that, Hey, when we leave here, this is not who we are, but while we're here, we get to be you know, the better versions of ourselves that aren't going to go and sue you for a comment or, you know, blast you out on the internet and we can have fun and just be our true selves, you know, sure. like, and, and get along. But when we leave, there's got to be a certain etiquette that, that should follow with it. And I think a lot of the issues stem from like Facebook and stuff where on the drop zone, it's fine, but then, Hey, I might be sitting at my desk and you send me something that's completely inappropriate with, you know, loud porn sounds coming out of it. And, you know, why'd you do that? Sure. Um, yeah. No, I, some, I don't disagree yeah. with that at all. I mean, definitely what happens on the drop zone as opposed to what happens in the real world should be two different things. I guess when that all started, it didn't, it, I, I wasn't shocked by, uh, by people getting upset. I was just a bit caught off guard because I had always operated under the assumption that everybody was on the same page at the drop zone. Um, and because I had never been one to try and, um, be inappropriate in, um, what's the, what's the way I'm wanting to put it? I, I never intentionally tried to, you know, be inappropriate or hurt someone's feelings or, or do anything along those lines. It had always been in fun. I assumed everyone else was behaving the same way. Now that was just me being a bit naive, I guess, uh, and not realizing there was also some pretty nasty shit going on that shouldn't have in skydiving. Um, yeah, but that's anywhere, right? Sure. Like you're going to have that asshole. And let's just say, so what are we up to? Like 50,000 people in the States or something like that. It's still very low. Sure. But even if it is that high out of those 50,000 people, you're going to have a 10% dick base. Right. So, um, they're going to do things that shouldn't be done. And those people are generally weeded out. You know, they quit skydiving because they just don't fit in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, I, I guess that was kind of what I always had assumed, but, uh, um, you know, I wrote that article and again, I, I ruffled some feathers, rightly so, uh, just for not really knowing my subject matter, so to speak. Um, sure. Well, and, and and there's always that etiquette. I, I wrote an article a long time ago for Blue Skies that was all about, uh, what did I call it? I called it PC line dancing. And it was all about that dance that we do on the drop zone during the day around customers and then when it's just us. Um, and that you have to learn to behave in a, a slightly more politically correct way or actually quite a bit more politically correct around the tandem students and their families and people cheering them on than you do around just a bunch of jumpers. Uh, but that as soon as the sun goes down, take your kids off the drop zone because shit's going to get weird. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, you know it's one of the things I actually do is <clears throat> whenever I'm at a drop zone, I like to spend time with the tandems. Uh, I am a little weird still. I'm not like 
soul, you know, Brian with a Y, but I make them laugh. I get the nervousness out and have to, I think it's about retention, right? So once they realize that, Hey, there is a lot of fun that goes on here. You see a lot of these guys coming back, take ground school, you know, oh, guys, sure. girls, doesn't matter. So, you know, I know Rich loves it. I get a little weird with the T with the tandems and they'll always look over and just smile. And then you'll see them a week later. It's like, wow, it's working. Absolutely. Like, wow, you're actually bringing more people in because they're not just sitting there freaking out. They're making them laugh and doing strange things. So well, not nothing with a dildo or cross-dressing, but, you know. Like, right, <laughs> right. Well, although I have been known to fly in a skirt and, believe it or not, a bright pink tutu. So even cross-dressing is just fine with me. <laughs> that doesn't bother <laughs> we, me a bit. I, we were I, down in Sebastian. Oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we were down in Sebastian um, this year. Uh, let's see, we did, uh, what the hell's the name of that boogie? I do it every year. Everglades buggy. And then we, we drove over and um, <clears throat> I wound up putting on my, my bathing suit and tutu and I got into the pool at Captain Hiram's. No skydivers, just me. And I started splashing myself on the stairs. Not one person batted an eye. Man, Florida's a weird place. <laughs> I thought for sure I would have had like tons of reactions. I even walked into the hotel and tried to rent a bike. The woman looks me up and down once, and I'm like, you're doing well. She goes, I worked at Disney. So I, lo I love Florida. <laughs> Florida's the, the only place I can go and just, you know, walk around town in a one-piece bathing suit and a tutu and no one bats an eye. Hey, why not? Well, well there or uh, um, the village in Manhattan, you can probably get away with that, too. 100%. I, on my I, one way. I ended up uh, I ended up in the village for, for flight training a couple of years back on, of all nights, Halloween. Holy shit, do those folks know how to party. I uh, I have a beautiful picture of myself and the other pilot that I was there training with, standing with a woman that was dressed as a five foot five inch tall vagina that she had named Jeb Bush, and she was oh, handing God. out little pictures of Jeb Bush's head. It was fucking amazing, absolutely. I'm like, you should you should be a skydiver. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It was phenomenal. But yeah, the the uh, the whole uh, um kids on the drop zone thing it's cool in one respect uh, you know when the sun's up and when it's not too weird because they get to see that it's alternate lifestyles that you can go out and and do well and enjoy yourself and live and enjoy and 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 be successful um but yeah once the sun goes down for a 12 year old i don't think they need to see just how truly <laughs> strange some of these drop zones can get no oh yeah it's just inappropriate there's a time and a place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, that being said, so you've been jumping for how many years now? Short. I'm actually really short in the career. Uh, six now, I think. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I just talked to uh, Zedge from Blue Skies Magazine, who's, you know, low time as well. But again, amazing ideas and super energy being brought into the sport, which is fucking fantastic. Um, it really adds a whole new life to it. And for somebody like me that's been in the sport almost 25 years, it keeps that excitement going, which is really, really cool. Um, Zedge is a really cool, cool cat. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I'm actually going to be interviewing him for Pussfoot. We're gonna nice. Put a up nice. So, yeah, he's, a, he's a total fucking nutcase. I love him. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> the, um, the six years in the sport, your daughters obviously have been part of that the entire time. Um, and it's neat that you've kind of let them see, you know, bits and pieces of it. But do they know how weird dad gets when they're not around? <laughs> like do they know but they don't they, see it they they do i mean they know it's fine you know again they know that you need to be a, a certain person in you know one platform and you can be another and in, in another platform like, and, do they know when brian with a y is hanging out with them you know no i don't let them get to brian with a y um, 
that's Good not man. appropriate for family, but I still, I'm still crying, you know, at home. So, sure. uh, you know, I got the, the three personalities and, and crying's fine there. Um, you know, they come out and they'll chill while I'm writing on the you know computer and stuff and we'll go and do stuff. But it, there's always that, that fine line that we walk it in the casterly household. And, um, I think my kids are going to be better for it. You know, like you look at some of these parents that raise their children and they hold them back from everything. Sure. And what do those kids wind up being later in life? Uh, you know, they're selling drugs They're sleeping with everyone They're because their parents said no. And sure. I, I tell my kids all day long. I'm like, I'd rather you smoke pot than drink. Sure. Uh, when you get old, it's going to be legal soon enough. Anyhow. Well, why daddy? Because you know, that drunk girl has no problem doing whatever with that guy because she can't make the right choices. But if you're smoking pot, you're gonna be playing in a drum circle or picking up trash and drops off. Sure. It's gonna be chilling. Sure. So I'd rather you do that. But hopefully a... you know, I, I raised them, you know, well enough and, and that's good. And then another weird thing is I'm a, I'm a religion teacher. So <laughs> I, uh, I go and <laughs> teach Sunday school for them. And it's, uh, it's a, I, I walk a really weird balance. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, from, uh, from over this conversation, if you had asked me to sum you up, religion teacher would not have been on the list. <laughs> yeah. And a matter of fact, I'm so big in it that I've been stealing people from all the other churches. And like, there's like a waiting list to get into Mr. Casserly's classroom because I make it fun. And then how I got involved with that, just so you know, is, you know, you, you have three daughters and automatically, once you have a penis, you're not allowed to do anything with your kids. Sure. It's especially where I live. It's like, oh, big no, no. You know, you can't do anything with your kids because, you know, the other girls shouldn't be subjected to a man for some right. odd reason. Right. Uh, so that was the only platform I had to actually be with my kids. And it just became this really weird part of my life. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's fun, you know. There's the respectable me. The, you know, and that's the funny thing is that that's the part that you consider the weird part, whereas the rest of the so-called quote-unquote normal world would consider everything else that you do outside of your normal job would consider all the skydiving and the boogies and all that the weird part. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you know, I guess I look at it a bit backwards, but I got one life to live, and I want to know that on that last moment, you know, that last breath, that I had fun and oh, that I yeah. did a good job as a dad and, you know, good job in my community as well. Um, yeah, I mean, and those so, uh, really when it comes down to it, those are the most important things, right? I mean, it's, it's not about the money in the bank or the car that you drive or even the kind of rig you jump or the parachute you fly. It's doing something that you truly enjoy and making sure that the people that are around you that you care about and know that you care uh, and looking out for them as much as you can and then go fucking live. I think that's something that skydivers, well, any extreme athlete or any extreme sports enthusiast learns very early on in their career is that, man, life comes and goes pretty fucking easily. Um, so, you know, saving up for a rainy day that might not come sounds like a decent idea, but not doing the things that you want to do for fear that they're the wrong choices is just stupid. You know, I would well, I'd I say make mistakes. Fuck yes. Absolutely. Every mistake that Every I've day. made has made me a better person. And I've only ended up in the places that I've ended up in because I fuck something up. You exactly. Know, you know, <laughs> and you only fuck 100%. it up if you're willing to take chances. People that don't take chances are just stuck. And I can't I've never understood and always admired 
um, because with extreme athletes, I've never understood normal people's aversion to taking chances. And I've always admired the extreme mentality of looking for those, you know, opportunities to fuck up. I want to screw up. I want to, that's one of the reasons that I enjoy being a mediocre skydiver. Cause there's a really good chance that I'm going to be the one that takes that skydive out <laughs> and that I fuck yep. it up and I'm going to learn something and I'm going to have fun and enjoy and, and, you know, kind of further myself instead of just the same place, same thing day after day after day. Now monotony is <clears throat> the death of humanity. Um, right. That just doing strange things every day, at least once a day, I try to do something completely out of the box. Yeah. What was uh, the one? Whether it's becoming a religion teacher, you know, like it's, it's nutty. Fuck that's so far out of the box for me. I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> I had a skydiver friend of mine uh, years back asked me to uh, photograph his wedding, and as a matter of fact, he was just on the podcast a couple of weeks back. A guy by the name of Jim Dolan, um, uh, one mm-hmm. of the one of the flying Elvi out of Las Vegas. So he, asked, I, I listened to that podcast. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jim had asked me to to photograph his wedding, and it turned out to be a wedding in a Roman Catholic church. I'm nice. not Roman Catholic. I know nothing about it. Uh, you know, I was baptized as a kid, but I, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not an overly religious person and know nothing about the church. Uh, so when I went in to take pictures, the priest told me, "Okay, you can take pictures here and here, but you can't go here, here, and here." Okay, got it. The ceremony starts, and I start clicking pictures away, left, right, and center. But he didn't bother to tell me, unfortunately, that there was a time that I could not take pictures in the ceremony. So flashes going off. I'm taking pictures all over the place. He stopped the ceremony and ripped into me for, how did he put it, for interfering with his congregation's ability to receive the word of God. (laughs) I was waiting to burst into fucking flames. To to this day, it's one of the biggest memories I have with Jim was ruining his wedding. <laughs> you're, such, you're a sinner. You're a yeah. sinner. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You know, I uh, so raised Roman Roman Catholic, um, and it's it's funny. So I, I still have this deep seated. I'm not a very religious person. I guess I maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but I have this deep seated thing where I, I I have to say you know an our an our Father a Hail Mary and an act of contrition before every jump. It's my little OCD sure. type thing. And <clears throat> I love doing it on the plane. I love, <laughs> I love doing it on the plane and I'll stop everyone. I'll be like, stop. And you know, my whole crew, you know, all my guys I'm with, they understand what I'm doing, but you look over at the guys who have no idea or some, some of the other people. And then you do that, you know, sign of the cross and just the faces, it just makes me smile. And then I'll, I'll calm everyone down with a couple of jokes. I mean, I sing the little mermaid the whole way to altitude. That's nice. sort of my thing. Nice. But, um, yeah, there's nothing better than doing that in the door as you're leaving, you know, sign of the cross. Well, especially yeah. when you got a, a bunch of tandem students or, or low-time jumpers that are all, but he's got a fucking rig on. That guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> he's praying. <laughs> yeah, what are his, what are my odds if he's crazy? He's doing the cross in the door. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. it's fun. It's just fun. But, oh, yeah, for that, sure. That's, uh, everyone who knows me knows that, you know, if you can't find Brian right before a uh, jump, he's probably, you know, behind the shed doing his thing. I, yep. I don't know why. I just have to. Oh, everybody's got so, their little thing. I my my tick was always my handles checks, like obsessively so, like five, six, eight, ten times, um, without even thinking about it. I'll be in the middle of telling a, a horrible gay joke or something, just totally inappropriate and and uh, just being a complete pig. And uh, while I'm doing it, I'm checking my handles. 
That was just, that was my fucking tick all the time. That was my tick. Or I would, uh, when I had tandem students, I would get the harness all set and with the lateral uh, straps, I would tuck them in. And then sometime before the door opened, I would untuck them and then tuck them back in for no fucking reason. Just, well, it's not a bad tick to have. I mean, I go through my handles at least 10 times on the way to altitude. I feel oh, yeah. like that's just good muscle memory. Yeah. Know, so. Oh, yeah. No, I want to know where those fucking things are. I've had to use them more than a few times, so uh, it's definitely important. Yeah. I'll never forget when I switched over to a PUD, um, when I wound up starting to work with Mirage. Um, <clears throat> they had sent me a new rig, and I never jumped a PUD, and I was terrified. I'm like, right. Oh, my God, I'm never pulling. I'm like, oh, my God, it's not there. And um, that one became really obsessive with me for the first few jumps, just going over that. Nonstop. Oh, yeah. We fear change, yeah. man. We fear change. Yeah. You change up the systems and, oh, man, it's on. Something something new's going on, you know? I mean, that's like every time you jump a, a different canopy for the first time, you're just, all right, fuck, here it comes. All those yeah. little things. Well, and it's funny because people that aren't in skydiving um, or, you know, just come out and do a tandem or for anybody that's listening that's, that, you know, that's never jumped or doesn't know really what we're talking about too much, people assume that somebody that's been in the sport for a long time is just, yeah, let's go. No, man, shit makes me nervous. I'm, I'm, I've got all my little ticks and all my little nerves and all my little minor panic attacks that you got to get past to be an active skydiver. And I don't think I would want to be a skydiver if it didn't occasionally freak me out. I, I think, I think being freaked out though, is what puts us into that mode. Right. So oh, yeah. if I'm jumping and I'm not nervous, I kind of, I kind of get nervous that I'm not nervous. Oh Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've, I don't think I've ever, and this is 11,000 jumps later, I don't think I've ever been 100% comfortable stepping off an airplane, and I wouldn't want to be. You know, it's it's uh, um, that ability to feel the fear or feel those nerves, overcome them, and have fun that makes huh. the whole thing so special. That's what Pussfoot stands for, man. It's like, you know, that you're in the door and you get that tingle and it starts coming up your leg and then it goes up to your brain and shoots back down your right leg. And then you start getting those jello legs. It's only a few people, you know, like in our community, not in the world, I should say, but our communities, all of them that have been able to take those, you know, octopus tentacle legs and straighten them back out and just overcome that and do something inspiring. Oh yeah. You that's know, what that, it's all about. That's, that's what Pussfoot is. It's the ability just to, to be inspired, whether it's for yourself or for somebody else, you know, um, just get past it. I mean, yeah, think man. about it. Yeah. You Jumping know, out of a plane, that's caveman stuff. We were told back, you know, that's bred into us, you know, while we're hunting thousands of years ago, pushing, you know, like cows off cliffs, that's what they would do. They knew not to fall off that cliff. And now oh, yeah. every day we jump out of a plane, we're breaking this, you know, instinct that's been bred into us forever. So oh, absolutely. It's pretty amazing. Well, I used to yeah. tell my tandem students that all the time that, uh, if you're not nervous, I don't want to fucking jump with you. Cause that means you're crazy. Uh, and you know, for the ones that were really nervous, I'm like, look, you're supposed to be nervous because you've got millions of years of evolution telling you not to do this. And one asshole on your back saying, go, yep. you know, so you should be nervous. Absolutely. But you should also know that it's, it's uh, two o'clock in the afternoon and I have dinner plans. So we're going to be fine. <laughs> you know. I gotta get home to my kid to make her some sort of food. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you gotta try and explain that. Well, it was, uh, it was uh, a couple months back, I interviewed Olaf Zipser, and at one point, even he admitted that uh, he didn't wanna be a skydiver. He wanted to be a, a hang gliding pilot, and, and uh, the, the whole skydiving thing made him nervous. And, you know, you hear the father of free fly talking about yeah. being nervous on a jump, and you're like, but wait a second. First off, you're German. 
<laughs> so, so there's that. And wait a second. Um, you, you invented free flying for Christ's sakes. You've got more jumps on your head than most people have skydives. You get nervous. And I loved hearing that, you know, that's exactly what you want to hear because it means he's dealing with the same thing that everybody else is dealing with. This shit can get nerve wracking and it should. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's instinct, right? So we're breaking a very basic instinct, you know, like yeah. don't step off a cliff. Um, don't touch the fire. You know, sure. These things are all basic. And here we are, you know, throwing a giant bonfire and getting close to it as we can and jumping out of airplanes. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, it was, uh, I forget where I read it somewhere, but uh, it was uh, in regard to speaking about the fear of heights. Uh, and that fear is that it's not that you'll accidentally fall off the balcony. It's that you might jump. Which, 100%. Yeah, and yeah. I, I remember reading that, and, and uh, uh, nowadays I live in a high-rise, and I don't like heights. I'm not a fan of heights. Um, and I'll be on the balcony, and that always comes back to me going, fuck, there's nothing stopping me from jumping. <laughs> like, I can just <laughs> step off this balcony anytime I want. That's where the nerves come in, because I know I'm not going to accidentally fall over a five-foot rail. <laughs> but but it's, those, <sighs> it's those random nerves. So it now, makes me nervous. I mean, with the industry I'm in, I'm on high-rises all the time or walking on, you know, scaffolding and, you know, they all laugh at me. They're like, don't you jump out of planes like six times a week, seven times a week, eight times, you know, like you're just there every day. So seven days a week. I'm like, yeah, I go every day after work. Like, you can't walk down these stairs. Yep. You can't walk on the scaffolding. It's like, you know, my legs are just jello. <laughs> it's, it's that perspective, right? It's, uh, you know, stepping off an airplane, the ground is just too far away to cope with. But if I'm on the sixth floor looking over a balcony, I can see exactly where my head's going to split open when I fall off. Yes. And that's what gets it for me is the perspective of it all. So I hate, I, as we're heading into the winter season, um, what is, what is, uh, uh, your schedule do now? I mean, cause obviously in the States it's going to start getting cold. Uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of jumping going on. So are you aiming more with the website towards the other extreme sports that are still active? Are you like reaching out to snowboarders and skiers and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, we'll be doing some of that, but really the, uh, the sun never sets uh, on me, kind of like the uh, the old English Empire. I'll be on a plane going south. I mean, um, I got, let's see, four boogies in the next five, six weeks, and then I'll start flying south nice. um, for the winter. But yeah, we'll, we'll start focusing more on snowboarding, uh, skiing. Um, we throw little events just to make things fun, some of the smaller mountains, which, you know, helps with getting some retention. And, sure. You know, we just take it from there, but we'll be out, you know, west coast, you know, Totally on the southeast. Awesome. So really, awesome. We, I jump all winter. I don't, I don't ever stop. Every nice. weekend, I'm someplace. You can't yeah. beat that, man. Well, no. so for, for people that are listening in, um, you've got the website. Give them the website and any contact information so they know exactly how to follow you. Find out what's going on, where you're going to be next, where your crew is going to be, and what you're doing. Absolutely. So uh, you guys can find us at pussfoot.com. That's the website. Um, Pussfoot OG on Facebook. And if you want to follow me, if there's any more space, like I got to just delete people every other day, it's uh crying Basserly. So C R I N B A S S E R L Y. And then I have Brian Casserly, like an athlete page, um, Instagram, Pussfit OG. And that's basically it. I mean, you can find, uh, any of the crew there. Awesome. Awesome. So, well, oh, and uh, one more thing, jump please. for valor, uh, jump for valor.org is, uh, our new endeavor. Um, we basically started a 501c3 to put military vets through AFF, and we throw a giant boogie every year. This year is going to be in Sebastian uh, over Veterans Day weekend. It'd be cool to see some people come out. It's going to be rather big. Tickets are selling out like crazy, but 
all proceeds go right back to a real nonprofit. And every dime gets spent on vets. Well, that that's to go through AFF. And that's awesome too. I can imagine that uh, uh, that's got to be such a wonderful outlet as well for them. It's huge. And, you know, you see it at a lot of the military drop zones. Um, what a community, right? So you come out, maybe there's some PTSD or you're service disabled or, or anything. And now you have that uh, support system because there's so many military uh, skydivers. Sure. And they all, you know, they're all a band of brothers, even more so than we are. Sure. As skydivers. They have that skydive mentality. Plus they have that whole special, you know, platform and they're so good to each other so we've been bringing a lot of military skydivers in and that's the jump for valor jump for valor uh, all right well the people definitely need to check that out and pussfoot man i mean it sounds like you've really got a leg up on on uh pushing uh, more for not just skydiving although primarily but uh for everything else and bring it into one big community which is just fucking awesome yeah it's time to bring the fun back you know like my first Boogie was TSK, like I said, and I started going to others. I'm like, this isn't a boogie. Like, what, what's going on here? And yeah. then that was just it. Started making them fun again. You know, you'll see me naked at pretty much every single one of them. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's everybody try and find out exactly where you're going to be next so we can see you naked in a tutu or with balls hanging out of a one-piece. Bring your Sharpie. <laughs> awesome. Brian, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. It's been a real pleasure. Right, absolutely, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. And so ends another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I am the fucking pilot. Uh, this podcast brought to you, of course, in association with Blue Skies Magazine, the greatest magazine in the known universe. Head to blueskiesmag.com so you can subscribe to the magazine, get yourself some really cool swag. You can get previously published issues. As I always tell you, you're a photographer, take awesome pictures, send them to the magazine. Seeing your shit on fucking Instagram is not nearly as cool as seeing it in print on the magazine. If you've got a story to tell, tell it. People want to hear it. Put pen to paper. If I can write for them, so can you. Got something to sell, got some advertising, some information that's got to get out there, definitely hit up Blue Skies Magazine. Get it done. For me, I am the fucking pilot. You can find me on thefuckingpilot.net. That's where you can get links to all the previous podcasts, as well as both the books I've written. You've got the fucking pilot book, which is the previously published articles for Blue Skies Magazine, and of course, The Accidental Stripper, uh, both of them available in digital and print form. And I know I keep saying it, but The Accidental Stripper is coming out in audiobook as well. So head to thefuckingpilot.net, head to blueskiesmag.com, and tune in next week, same time, same bat channel. Thanks for uh, coming out and having fun.